Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. Before I get started, I would like to give a special shout out to the reformed members of Back to Ashes. Tavia S., Chrissy Ellis, Tina Mead, Cindy Cleveland, Patty's niece, Samantha Blaze, and Inner Scare Wifey. The rest of the Back to Ashes family will be listed right here on your screen. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes, and you would like to support a content creator such as myself, you can buy me a coffee. All of that information can be found in the description box below. Now, with all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For when we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in to get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Creepy Encounters. Right after this intro, an ad will play. I'll read the first story, an ad will play. And after that, there will be no more ads within this video. A few weeks ago, I went to the fair that comes to town once a year with a group of my friends with no adults for the first time. There were five of us, all girls. Two of the girls went to play a game and myself and the other two girls went to go into the funhouse. So we were waiting in line to go into the funhouse. We were at the very front and I felt a tap on my shoulder. So I looked at where I felt the tap and literally nobody was there. Then one of my friends, let's call her Jay for privacy, pulled me closer to her and whispered, The worker was the one that just tapped you, while glaring at him. I turned to look at him and he smiled. He has three teeth that were black and no other teeth in his mouth from what I could see. He was clearly an older guy. He also had gray hair and very dirty hands. But yeah, he smiled at me and then laughed and said, <laughs> I tricked you, in an almost mocking tone. Needless to say, I was extremely uncomfortable as were my friends. We went into the funhouse and Jay said that he was super creepy and he shouldn't touch random girls like that. Even if it was an innocent touch by nature, it was still super creepy. This happened to me when I was very young, like 10 or 11, but I still remember it like it was yesterday. My parents didn't have a car, so they would usually take a bus. One day, my parents left to go get groceries, and it was just me and my sister and my brother. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning, so it was very early. I was the only one up, and I decided to go down to the living room and watch TV. When I was watching TV, I heard a knock at the door. So I went upstairs to wake them up, but they didn't wake up, as they were very heavy sleepers. The knocking stopped, so I went back to watching TV, when I heard something down in the basement. Now, something I should tell you, my brother has broken the basement steps, messing around one day. So when I went to check, all I could do was stand at the top of the steps and look from there. But what I saw terrified me. I saw a man with a mask on and dirty clothes. He opened the basement door and I ran upstairs. I think this made him think the cops were going to be here or something because I heard him run back to the front door and bang on it. 
I ran to my brother and sister and tried waking them up, but they were asleep, so I just hid in my room until the knocking stopped and waited for my parents. When I told them what happened, they just thought I was making stuff up. They went to go check, and the door was closed. To this day, no one in my family believes me. There is one good thing that happened because of this. My family finally started locking the basement door. This happened years ago now, but it still sticks with me. I'm hoping by sharing this story that people will actually believe mine and really start checking to lock your doors. A few years ago, I was the only one home in a snowstorm and minding my business. I decided to call a friend and we talked for a while and got into some political chatter and what many people would call conspiracy theories. The discussion was getting deep into the subject. I don't even remember what we were talking about, to be honest. When suddenly, the call drops and immediately there's knocking at the door. I remember my stomach dropping, and I felt a bit frozen, but calmed myself down and went to the door. There was a woman there with a clipboard and papers. She was dressed in a bohemian look under her jacket, and she proceeded to say hi and tell me that she's collecting petitions for a river preservation or something like that, and asks me if I'd sign. Mind you, the speech was long and it's literally blizzarding outside. I wrote down fake information, and as I do, I get this weird feeling that she was trying to get inside. She was really close to the door, and I made sure to keep it close to me to ensure she couldn't see inside. It was a small house I was living in at the time. The vibes were really weird. The call dropping after talking about the government... She shows up right away in the middle of a storm, asking for info. It really left me uneasy. Or it could have been a coincidence, though. I don't know. What do you think? I first noticed him when I was out for a walk. He looked like an average guy except something sent my alarm bells blaring. As soon as I noticed him, I felt I couldn't stand or talk properly. He was walking weird and kept crossing the street when I was, with intensity and making eye contact with me. He looked familiar to me for some reason. I saw him again at a bus stop near where I live. He was standing there just looking at me. Then... He looked like he wanted to say something, and I quickly went home. He didn't catch the bus either. Also, he stared at me walking home. Then I saw a guy that was giving me a bad gut feeling when I normally would feel safe. He, too, looked familiar. He approached me, and what happened was really scary. He kept saying he knew me and was hurt that I didn't recognize him. He wanted a place to stay. He had weed for me. He thought I was really beautiful. He said he'd contact me again. I forgot what he looks like. So I'm scared that I won't recognize him if he approached me again. Everyone is telling me it wasn't that bad, but none of them met him. 
Also around the same time, a guy returned my dog at 10 at night, and the interaction rubbed me the wrong way. Since that day, I keep getting friend requests from fake accounts. A guy approached my sister and her friend claiming to be a neighbor, and they felt something was off, but they couldn't place it. Also, this guy has a photo of me on his phone that he took. I didn't realize what was happening. I don't think my life is in any danger currently, but that's just really creepy, in my opinion. Also, someone broke into our car and took weird, useless things and went through personal stuff. I just have a feeling it's not a coincidence sometimes. This might not be your typical creepy encounter, but this has kept me up for a few nights now. For some background, I'm a male in my late 20s, living in northern Canada. Last weekend, I got a call from a friend telling me that, while on his skiddo ride, he went by my cabin, as it was on his route, and it looked like someone broke into it and smashed out all the windows. Devastated, I went out to my shed to load up my skiddo and sled with boards and tarps to repair the windows, hopeful to keep some of the snow out of my cabin until I can properly replace the windows in the spring. Just as I was about to leave, I got this gut feeling that something was really wrong and that I should take a rifle just in case. Better to be safe than sorry. As I started my ride into the woods, I noticed the sky getting darker and think to myself, Great, now I'll have a storm to deal with too. Luckily, it wasn't a snowstorm but a thick fog that rolled in fast. There is nothing more unsettling than being alone in the woods, encased in a thick fog, especially with God knows what around you. I finally get to my cabin, and sure enough, all of my windows are smashed. I unload my gear and get to work, trying to get my cabin secure as fast as I can to get the hell out of there. At some point, I feel like I'm being watched, which gives me a lump in my throat because I can't see anything in this fog. I hear something moving through the trees and automatically grab my rifle and put my back to the cabin, hoping that if something comes out of the fog, I'll be ready for it. My first thought was, it was the asshole who broke into my cabin, coming back under the cover of the fog to see what else they could take. But then I realized that no skidoo approached me, as I would have heard one from miles away as it was so quiet out there. After waiting a while with no more noises coming from the woods, I got back to work, get my windows fixed and returned back to my skidoo to get the hell out of there. After a short ride, I noticed something that looks like potholes in the middle of the trail. Turns out to be polar bear tracks leading towards my cabin. That creepy feeling of being watched and the noises from the woods was a polar bear stalking me and was the actual culprit of the break-in at my cabin. What disturbs me most is that I would never see it coming with all that fog that day, but my rifle would be practically useless against such a big animal. To this day, I feel lucky to be alive.
So, my sister called my family the other day and told my parents about a strange man that she and her friend had came across. They have been there for about a week and were out walking in the redwoods when a man appeared out of practically nowhere and startled them. My sister claimed that he looked completely normal and was even kind of handsome, in her opinion, but he gave off a creepy vibe pretty quickly. He apparently began asking them weird questions like who they were and what they were doing out in his woods. After they explained that they were just out exploring, he quickly got annoyed and said they were liars. My sister and her friend began to walk away quickly, as they assumed he was probably on drugs, but he walked after them and said more weird stuff. She says he even asked them to kiss each other because he knew they were lesbian lovers. They are not lesbians, by the way. My sister's friend apparently turned around and screamed at him to leave them alone. My sister said this is where he got scary as hell. She says he gave my sister and her friend the most evil and hateful look she's ever seen in her life, and he said this in response. You two are such disrespectful I've killed a few of you over the last few years, and I'd love to add you both to my count, you c My sister and her friend didn't even hesitate and both booked it right after he said that. They heard him chasing after them and screaming at them at the same time. My sister says that she couldn't make out much of what he said other that he would chop them up and a few other threats. They both made it safely out of the woods and they didn't see him anywhere. They got in their car and sped back to the town they were staying in. They called the police to file a report and headed to another area and will be heading home soon. I'm scared and pissed off that some creep did this to them. I don't know if this is considered a creepy encounter, but it was definitely really creepy to me. One evening after work, my boyfriend, a 34-year-old, and I, 26, were trying to decide what we wanted to eat and if we wanted to cook something or order it. We decided to have some food delivered to us, so I clicked on my DoorDash app and placed an order. We waited a little while, and it said the Dasher was on their way. My boyfriend had gone to the kitchen table and was moving stuff. I began hearing shuffling outside the door. Our dog hears it as well and begins barking. My boyfriend quiets him down and tells him he doesn't hear anything. I'm just looking because this time he wasn't just hearing things. I had heard it too. The shuffling was odd, like someone was rubbing up against our door. It had got really quiet. Then, I started hearing the shuffling again with mumbling, and at that point, I was just staring at the door and looking like, what in the f***? The dog starts up again. Before my boyfriend or I could say anything, here comes three hard knocks that made me jump and made my dog stop barking. Since my boyfriend was already up, he went to the door and opened it. There were two guys standing there. Where I was sitting and how my boyfriend was standing in the doorway, I could mostly see them, but they couldn't see me. They looked surprised to see that my boyfriend answered the door instead of me. 
They awkwardly gave him the food and said for him to have a great day. My boyfriend turned around and was like, they looked real surprised to see me. I can only imagine if you had answered the door alone. For whatever reason, that made my stomach sink, thinking about what if I were to answer the door and my boyfriend wasn't home yet. I don't know if I was just paranoid, but thinking back to when this happened makes me very uneasy. Okay, you guys, we're going to go back in time. This happened about a decade or more ago. I must have been about 14 or 15 at the time. My parents were avid churchgoers. Every Sunday since I remember, at 8.30 a.m. on the dot, we would go to church. As my sister and I got older, we were close in age, probably 10 or 11, our parents would let us stay home if we didn't want to go. We lived in a small rural town with maybe 100 people, and only 10 to 15 people would go to church, usually the same people every week, so we knew them all pretty well. This older couple moved from Sydney to our town to enjoy the quiet life. I would have been about 12 or so when they moved to my town, and started going to church and became good friends with my parents. They also had a middle-aged son, let's just call him Sam who lived and moved in with them and came to church occasionally. He was really quiet and I didn't really interact with him. As they were family friends, we would sometimes visit their house and he started to take a real liking to me, genuinely trying to build a friendship with me, always trying to talk to me, giving me small gifts, books, DVDs, jewelry, etc., and inviting me into his room to look at all his figurines he painted and his new games on the PlayStation or whatever. I thought it was a bit creepy, but I didn't think too much of it until he would come knocking on my door when I was home, alone, shouting my name. My sister was overseas on an exchange the year this happened, so I was often home alone. This all came about when my parents started a Bible study for the people at church, it was held on a weeknight, and Sam would usually go with his mom. After the first few times, him and his mom would come over for a cup of tea. And that soon progressed to Sam leaving Bible study early to come hang out with me. Why my parents didn't think this was weird was beyond me. I thought it was a bit weird, but being naive and nice, for the first little while, I let him in made him a cup of tea, and we'd just make small talk and watch TV till my parents returned. One day, he brought over a gift which made me insanely uncomfortable. Keep in mind, I'm about 15, and he is mid to late 30s. It was a sheer boob tube wrap to wear over a bikini at the beach, kind of like a little cover-up. After that incident, whenever he left Bible study early to visit me, I just locked the doors and hide in my room while he knocked repeatedly on the door, shouting my name. He would give up after about five or ten minutes and sit on the front step till my parents came home and let him in, probably in the hopes to see me, but I never would leave my room until I knew he had left. It all came to a head when one night he confessed his love for me to my parents. I can't recall the conversation exactly or how it started. My bedroom was right off the living room, so I could hear pretty clearly. 
Maybe my parents were picking up on how creepy his behavior was and wanted to confront him. Or maybe he just confessed, but I distinctly remember him telling my parents he loved me and wanted to be with me and how I made him really happy and was the most beautiful girl he'd ever seen. My dad then said something about him being a dirty old and kicked him out. At this point, I was in shock, and my mom came and checked on me. I said I was okay, and honestly, I wasn't too shaken in the moment. Maybe I didn't fully grasp the situation. It was a very weird experience. Looking back, it seems like he might have been trying to groom me. And I'm also so surprised my parents didn't pick up on it sooner. I'm very glad and lucky nothing ever happened to me. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Okay, so I've never told this to anyone before, so please forgive me if it sounds a little weird. But about an hour ago, I headed to a nearby lake, a place I usually go for my therapy sessions because it's usually pretty serene and peaceful. About 90% of the area can be seen from the busy road. However, there are a few blind spots. So I pulled into my usual parking area and immediately got a weird feeling when I saw another car parked, kind of hidden under a tree close by. I'm a female in my 20s, so I'm always on high alert. I made sure to keep my eye on the car when getting my stuff together from my own car. One second I look up and no one was in the car. And then a couple seconds later I look again and a man is suddenly sitting in the driver's seat staring at me. It was like he came out of nowhere. At this point, I was pretty wary about going out into the grass by the lake, but I continued to slowly pack up my stuff while continuing to keep an eye on the man in the car. I open my door and the man immediately gets out of his car and stands in front of it, doing a weird stretch and still staring at me. This lake is very close to a very popular amusement park so it's not uncommon for travelers to stop at the lake to rest. So I try to reason in my mind and decide I'll just sit in the car for my therapy appointment. I still had about 15 minutes before it started to get settled, so I get into my back seat and close and lock the doors, but rolled one window down because it was hot in the car. I open up my laptop and I look over at the man again. And now he's opening up an almost empty bottle of windshield wiper fluid and starts to pour it into his car as he looks up at me. His whole vibe was sketchy and creepy and I was debating on leaving. The man then pulls out his phone, does something on it, then continues to fill his windshield wiper fluid. All of a sudden, a white van with no windows rolls up and parks right behind me. No one gets out. I immediately climb over the console into the driver's seat and started to pull away. 
The van was close to my car, but there was room enough for me to back up and pull out of there. A couple seconds after I pull away, the van follows, and the man gets back in his car. I panicked, but was able to pull out onto the road in between two cars so the van wasn't able to catch up with me. I made sure no one was following me as I drove home. It must have all been a coincidence, but better safe than sorry, I always say. I also called the non-emergency line just in case, and they said they would send an officer out there to patrol the area for a bit. Thank you so much for listening to my story. This one was a scary experience, especially as someone who has been before. I'd like to hear any feedback or similar stories if anyone has any. So, I'm a 22-year-old female. For context, that's important to my story. I had a pretty larger-than-average chest area. Okay, on to the story. I take the bus home every day from college. It's a route that's mostly comprised of college students either going to class or back home. One evening, I stayed later, so I was on the bus when it was starting to get dark. The main rush times for students to be leaving were long past, so I was in a predominantly empty bus. One person who was on the bus already as I boarded was a woman. She was probably about 50 or so and looked at me with a smile as I got on. I'm a little shy, so I half smiled back and went to sit further at the back of the bus. The lady got up and placed herself in the seat right in front of mine and immediately said, I just had to say I love your outfit. I was surprised, but she seemed harmless enough, so I just smiled and thanked her. I guess it takes a certain body type for that kind of dress, she pressed on, basically gesturing to my chest. Mind if I ask what size? She said, and from there on was just making really odd comments about my body, asking what it was like, how I must get so much attention from older men, and if I liked it. She was using her phone a lot as we spoke. She was really starting to make me feel uncomfortable, so I decided I'd just get off at the next stop and get a cab. But at the next stop, a guy got on, and he instantly made eye contact with the woman. He looked gnarly, to be honest, older than her and in dirty clothes with a phone in hand. He sat in a seat further from us, but he kept glancing over looking at me really intently. The woman was looking at him in a way that made me feel certain they knew each other, and it got way too weird for me, so I waited a few minutes until the bus stopped in a crowded area in the center of town, and then I got off. The two looked at me but didn't follow, and once I was out of sight, I ran for it. I don't know for sure what the hell was going on, but it seemed a lot like those two knew each other and something creepy was getting ready to go down. I'm just glad I acted on instinct and left before something happened. The following incident happened in high school, and it's slightly creepy but more shady. Anyways, I will give a little bit of a background first. In middle school, I was bullied by two guys in sixth grade. 
with one even getting physical with me. Fortunately, they were taken care of. And then, there was one guy in high school who was a bully to others, but not to me. He was rather shady, though. Now, cut to my high school days. Sometimes after classes, I would get work done at my local library, which had a computer lab in the downstairs area. The lab had about six rows of computers, with about eight computers in each set row. And I would use that time to get work done, or if I finished early, I would surf the web. One day, I was rather busy in the computer lab area, and I signed in and took a computer. Later, I saw three people enter the library area and sign in to take seats. The two bullies from middle school years prior, and the shady guy from high school. At first, I thought nothing of it. Maybe it was just a coincidence. However, as they sat down, they started whispering to each other, with one of the guys even occasionally glancing back at me for a split second, to make sure that I was still there, before whispering again. I continued to work for the next five minutes, keeping an eye on the guys, and the whispering and glances increased. I also noticed that they weren't even surfing the web. They were just on the home screen seemingly waiting for something. I had a very bad feeling, and something told me that I should get up and go home. Turns out, I was right, because as soon as I logged out and started getting up, I heard one of the guys say to another, Ah, damn it, he's leaving. I walked home without any of them following me, so it had to be something else. I have no idea what they were planning, but whatever it was, I am glad that I decided to get up and leave before things escalated. Good day, everyone. This is something that happened this past Friday while I was babysitting. For a little bit of context, I'm a 21-year-old female, a college student, and have been babysitting since I was 14. I'm not an expert on literally anything. However, over the years, I have learned caution and resilience. At age 15, I took babysitting classes at our youth center, as well as a female self-defense course. So, I babysit at least once a month for this one family. I like them because they pay me more than my usual hourly rate. They have a big house with internet that I can use to do my homework, and the two kids are surprisingly well-behaved and compliant. So, the two parents have, like, a monthly ritual of going out at around 5 p.m. and returning a little after 2 a.m. I'm always offered to sleep in the guest bedroom and stay until morning, I usually just stay awake and abuse their satellite TV and then leave when they come back. The house is in a nice neighborhood without a whole lot of neighbors. Very quiet. Also, their house is armed with an alarm system that I have the code to and can arm and disarm it through my phone. That'll be relevant in a little while. So, I always take them for pizza at this place that has like an arcade. I do this so that they tire themselves out and go to bed early. Plus, the little girl that I babysit is also on a mission to win a family of stuffed animals from the prize store. So, I'd be the world's worst babysitter if I didn't guide her in that pursuit. If anyone may be wondering, for whatever reason, after Friday night, she only needs the daddy stuffed animal before her collection is complete, 
Go, girl. Anywho, I'm rambling. I was sitting at a table and watching them play in a ball pit, while also texting on my phone. This couple came over and sat at the same table as me. It was a long table with parents scattered here and there, so this wasn't alarming. The couple looked normal enough. Both were probably in their mid-twenties, possibly a little older. They talked to each other, but then the guy asked me, Are you the one babysitting Dr. So-and-so's kids? So the parents of these children were both doctors in the specific region that we live in. This would be common enough information, but I still chose to answer their question with an irrelevant statement. I wonder what they use to make their pizza here. Yeah, I know. I'm a master of deception. I deserve an Oscar for my performance. However, they seemed to see right through my clever ruse. They started making weird comments. They talked about the kids' parents. They commented on the daughter and how they wondered if she would look as pretty as their mom. Okay, my dudes. I don't know if that was intended to be creepy, but I'm just going to be safe and pretend that it was. Then the woman says to me, and I quote, Do they really let you dress like that while watching their kids? She motioned with her eyes towards my t-shirt, which was admittedly a little tight, though aside from a little bit of a bosom crack, not revealing. I have a thin frame and a large chest. It's 90 degrees in my region of the U.S. right now, so it's not like I can wear a hoodie and my tits have a Crips and Bloods type relationship with any kind of shirt that has buttons. I saw that as soon as my cue to go and get the kiddos and bring them to their prizes so that we could bounce. After some very thought-provoking a after some very thought-provoking philosophical debating, they both got their prizes and we headed back to the house. So fast forward a few hours. Both kids were bathed and put to sleep. I delivered a heartwarming rendition of Goodnight Moon and read a very spooky chapter of The Werewolf of Beaver Swamp and tucked the men into dreamland. It was around 9 p.m. I was caught up on homework and I was just watching TV when I heard some movement on the porch. I didn't think much of it at first, but the doorknob started rattling violently. I initially started moving towards the front door to see who it was. But miraculously, I remembered that it was late at night. I was home alone with two kids, and I very much wanted to live. I turned around to grab my purse, which is where I keep my taser. As I'm moving, the back door starts rattling as well, and was accompanied by some banging noises. That's when I remembered that I hadn't enabled the alarm system after returning. Now, if this was a horror movie scenario, of course the alarm wouldn't have worked, and the intruders would have made their way inside. I hate to disappoint if you are expecting something more exciting, but I enabled it again quite easily with no incident. I ran upstairs and grabbed the two kids, put them in their parents' room in the walk-in closet. I still hate that I scared them. When I gathered them up, I gave no context as to what was going on. I didn't want to tell them that someone was trying to break into the house, but in the process, the fear of not knowing seemed to be worse. I instructed them to stay in there and stay quiet, and only to open the door if they hear me talking to them. 
I then locked the bedroom door, which is the only door on the upstairs floor that locks. I sat there with my taser out and hit the panic button on the phone app. After several minutes went by, I get a notification through the app that the alarm system was disabled. I planned on calling 911, even though the panic button already took care of that, but I found it more beneficial to arm it back. Then it disarmed again, so I armed it again. Then it disarmed once again, so I armed it once again. By this time, I could hear what sounded like two sets of footsteps walking up the stairs. Good job, girl. You locked yourself inside with two potential assailants. I was holding it together for the sake of the kids, but not too deep inside. I was scared to death. When I heard the footsteps get near the door and saw the door twisting, I took a deep breath and pulled the trigger on my taser just to let them know that I was armed, though it realistically wouldn't do much good. I informed them through the door that the alarm was triggered and police were on their way. Thankfully, I was greeted by a familiar voice. Hey, are you okay in there? It's Dr. So-and-so. You're safe. Can you please open the door so I can check on my kids? I opened the door and ran into their arms and started sobbing. I hadn't realized truly until it was over just how scared I really was. The kids came out, without me giving them the okay, but their parents were there, so I'll let it slide. When I enabled the alarm on my phone, they both got the notification from the place they were at. With the app, you have the option to view the porch cameras as well. When they got the notification that the panic button was activated, they saw through the camera that there were people on each side of the house, one man, one woman. When the alarm kept disarming, that was them trying to get into the house. Police report was filed by them, and I gave a statement mentioning the two weirdos I met earlier that day, even though there was really no evidence that would directly point to them. Camera footage didn't give any positive face IDs either. So yeah, I was scared. I'm getting over it now. I'm just grateful that the couple that I was babysitting for were close enough to make it to me. I hate to say it, but I found the police response time to be terrible. I'm completely back in my own apartment an hour away. I checked in once to see how the kids were doing, and they're holding up fine. I'm just glad they had proper protection in their home, and that this didn't end up to be any worse. Last November, my brother was visiting us from Dundee with his three-year-old son. Since my brother had moved from Glasgow, we didn't get to see him or his family too often, so we cherished it any time we got to see them. His wife unfortunately could not travel down due to work, and only a day into his visit, he was called back himself for an emergency. His nephew wanted to stay, as he had bought him two tickets to the football game the day after so I agreed to take him back to his dad in Dundee after the game. The only train I could get was a fairly late one, and it was therefore the last one of the day. So, I took my nephew to the football game and headed straight to the station afterwards. The train was fairly busy, but I had booked us two seats. Just as we were about to board the train, 
The man standing next to me made an odd comment. Like sardines, aren't they? I hate sardines, he said. I found this fairly odd, and I just laughed it off awkwardly. I've never been good at making conversations with strangers and always feel uneasy when one approaches me. As we made our way to our seats, I noticed an old couple sitting in them. I told them it was our seats, but they were fairly rude and told me that old people shouldn't be made to stand for a journey. I always hate confrontation, especially in public, so I just left. There were no two seats together anywhere on the train, so me and my nephew were forced to stand for about an hour until many people on the train finally got off when it stopped in Perth. Me and my nephew sat down, and I mistakenly fell asleep as I was so tired after a fairly long day and standing for an hour on the train. As my nephew was only three, he obviously fell asleep as well. I awoke just as the last passengers were getting off at Dundee. I quickly jumped up and tried to get my nephew off the train as quickly as possible, but he was too slow and I had to stay on the train with him, meaning we missed the stop. As the train was delayed slightly, it was now going straight to Aberdeen, which was about another hour or so away. I sat down and tried to phone anyone I knew, but I didn't have any signal. I began to panic as I knew that there would be no return trains from Aberdeen at this time of night, likely meaning I would have to stay the night there in a hotel. I tried to compose myself and looked about the train to see if there was anyone who could maybe help me. My carriage had more or less cleared out by this point, and there were only three other people left an older woman sleeping a few rows in front of me, a young man reading a book at the opposite side, and a third man behind me. I told my nephew to go back to sleep and started trying to plan what I would do when we got to Aberdeen. As my phone had no signal, this was absolutely fairly difficult and thought I should ask the man behind me for any help. I looked in the window's reflection at him and noticed it was the same man who made the sardine comment earlier. He was a middle-aged man, fairly average build in height, and there was nothing to suggest he was in any way dangerous. Except one thing. He was staring right at me. I looked away for a minute, thinking maybe he was just looking about the train as I did only a moment ago. But when I looked again... He was still staring. His stare didn't seem to break until he got up to presumably go to the toilet. I debated switching to another carriage, but before I could gather my stuff and wake my nephew, he returned. Only this time, he sat in a different seat, facing me directly. A few uneasy minutes before he made his first comment. Someone's sleepy, he said, nodding to my nephew. I laughed awkwardly and put my earphones in to avoid having to talk to him, even though my phone had just died. Must be some set of earphones if they can listen to music when your phone's dead, he said. My heart dropped. I'm only kidding you, he said, but I now had no excuse to avoid conversation with him. So, are you going home or visiting someone, he asked. I made the mistake of telling him what had happened and that I had missed my stop. 
Oh, that's quite the situation. You won't get a train back home at this time. I nodded and said, I'll just find a hotel for the night. He then approached my seat and sat across from me. Hotels will be all booked out, and even if they aren't, they'll charge you a fortune. I've got a place not too far from the station. You can stay there for the night and get the train in the morning. I'll stay out of the way of you and your son. Don't worry. I explained to the man it was not my son, and that I was happy to cough up the money for a hotel, and tried to stay polite by saying... I didn't want to be a nuisance for him, even though I really just wanted to tell him to fuck off. Oh, believe me, you won't be any nuisance to me, he said in an over-friendly tone. I was now feeling extremely unnerved, but still tried my best to talk myself out of the situation. This conversation carried on for another ten minutes or so, and he was increasingly insistent that I stay with him. I didn't have any idea what to do. I felt completely helpless. I told him I needed the toilet in an effort to get away from the carriage. This is when he grabbed my wrist below the table. You're not going anywhere, he said in a hushed tone. You're staying with me. I'll keep you safe, he said in an extremely chilling voice. I couldn't even bring myself to scream out in the situation. The only passengers on the carriage were at the opposite end, and I was terrified that if I screamed, the man would hurt me or my nephew. He wouldn't let go of my wrist and repeatedly began saying, Just act natural. The remaining part of the journey seemed to last a lifetime, and I knew even then there was no light at the end of the tunnel, as this man would not let me go. The train finally reached Aberdeen, and the man told me to wake my nephew, not alarm him, and to tell him we were staying at this nice man's house for the evening. He held my hand as we got off the train, and my worst feelings were coming true, as I knew what would happen when this man got us back to his house. All of a sudden, I was knocked to the floor in a heap of bodies. The police had tackled the man and were arresting him. As I got to my feet, I grabbed my nephew's hand and ran only a couple of yards before completely breaking down. The police comforted me and told me that the young man who was reading his book at the other side of the carriage had noticed what was going on and sent a text to the British Transport Police, whose number is still all over the walls of the train on posters. It took me a couple of minutes to process everything but I managed to gain enough composure to thank the police and express my gratitude towards the man who had sent the text. I only managed to say a few words to him, but I will be forever grateful to him, as he saved me from what could have been a night of terror, and very possibly saved me and my nephew's life. The police very kindly took me and my nephew back to Dundee, where my brother and his wife were extremely relieved to see us. It is now some time since that incident, but it has had an everlasting effect on me, and I always make sure that when I am traveling late at night, that I am accompanied by someone and never run the risk of missing my stop ever again. This happened probably 10 years ago, 
when I was around 16, maybe 17 years old, and was in high school in a different city around an hour from home. I used to commute every day and took a combination of buses and trains, but the train ride was the main one. For some context, the first encounter with this creep was when I was heading home one day, and the service was pretty full, as it used to be at that time of the day. The coach was open with a combination of a four-seat, two and two opposite, or just two. I was sitting in the four. Now this bold man with sunglasses was sitting right in front of me. He might have been in his late thirties or somewhere in his forties. As I mentioned before, the train was pretty full, and if you use public transport frequently, you will know that when it gets busy, it's normal for people to squash and touch in order to get on the service. Now I was sitting opposite this man and he stretched his legs into under my seat. I was only 16 or 17 and he was a bit larger and people usually did this, put their legs under someone else's seat to be more comfy or accommodate the person next to them. And nobody thought much about it as long as you were not touching, etc. I could feel the hair on his legs lightly touching mine, so I moved a little. This is when it started. Shortly after I moved my leg away, he moved it so it was touching again, and I moved a few more times, but this continued throughout the journey. I thought it was weird, but made nothing much of it. Perhaps he wanted to stretch more, or something. I got off at my station, went home, and that was it. Now, to the main part. I was waiting on the platform for the train to be pushed into the platform as that was the station where the train was starting its journey. I usually went all the way to the back as there were a lot less people, which means you could grab a seat more easily. This man was there too, waiting on the platform. He came to me and started conversation. I do not recall the exact details, but I think he asked me where I went to school and where I was from, etc., I don't usually like talking to strangers, but he didn't seem to be dangerous, just slightly weird and creepy. I wasn't, and still am not, a person who likes to engage in conflict, so rather than telling him leave me alone or f off, I just tried to get rid of him and thought I would test his intentions. I don't remember how exactly the conversation ended, but when the train arrived, I boarded, and instead of staying in that coach, I moved two or four coaches forward so I wouldn't risk the chance of staying with this weirdo and the same coach, and also to see if he would follow me. I thought he wouldn't follow me. In this case, the train was composed of coupe coaches, so six people could fit into one, I think. I entered a coupe with a couple of people in it, asked if the other seats were free, and sat down next to the window. To my horror, the weird man came into the same coupe and sat down right next to me. He basically followed me from the last coach to this one. Now I was very creeped out as my test showed that he is indeed following me. There were other people in the coupe, but I still felt uneasy. He then proceeded to ask me if I wanted some magazines or newspapers, as he had some with him. Nothing weird, just some daily press. I declined, and in order to avoid any interaction, I put in my earpods and just looked out of the window the whole time, not turning around at any point. The way I remember it, nothing happened during that ride, I think. 
I think he was brushing his legs against mine, but my memory is not clear on this. Anyway, when we were near my station, I thought I would go to the toilets just in case I have to wait long for my bus, and I would also get away from this creep sooner. So I got up, grabbed my stuff, and went to the toilet and locked the door. I took a wee-wee and then felt the train was slowing down as we were approaching my station. I kid you not, when I unlocked the door and opened it, he was right there. At this point, my hair stood up and I was terrified. He gave me supposedly his business card and said if I need help, I should call him. The said card had a strange name and a B&W photo of a German shepherd. I found this extremely creepy. The train finally came to a stop and I got off at my station and ran away to my bus as fast as I could. I told my parents later that day what had happened. A few days later, I was again going home from school, waiting on the platform for the train to arrive. That man was there again. He approached me and tried to start a conversation again. This time I didn't care, and I asked in an angry tone, Uh, do we know each other? He did not expect this. He was a bit startled. So I asked the same question in a more demanding tone with an angry look. This totally scared him, and he left, and I never encountered him again. I am not sure what his intentions were, but this was one of the creepiest experiences in my life I have to date. Recently, I've been getting more into cosplaying and going to conventions. I've been making all my own clothes for a while now, but only recently decided to really start getting into cosplay. I've been to a handful of conventions over the years, and this is the first bad experience I've ever had. Anyway, for this convention, I wore my Supergirl cosplay. I made and patterned it myself, and overall, I was pretty happy with how it came out. A handful of people asked me for pictures, and generally I said yes. Well, later into the convention, my friends left, but I was going to meet up with some other friends later that night, so I took a break from walking around and sat in one of the hallways where there was a small seating area. Someone walked up to me and asked me for a picture. I said sure, and stood up to pose. He then said, entirely unprompted, Thank you for being one of the few cosplayers that actually has the physique to pull that cosplay off. I said, excuse me, and decided I no longer wanted to take a picture with him. So while he rambled and tried to backpedal, I picked up my bag and just started to walk away. He then proceeded to grab me and physically try and block me from leaving. I shoved him off and shouted, do not touch me, and walked away. He was shouting after me. I wasn't paying any attention to what he was saying. I just told him not to touch me again and walked off. I didn't get the chance to report him since then. I just wanted to get away as quickly as possible. But about 15 minutes later, I was on my way to meet the other friends I mentioned previously, and I saw him again. Of course, I immediately made a beeline for the nearest staff member so I could report him. 
I look over my shoulder and he was doing the ominous Kubrick stare, very much giving, I think I'm an edgy anime protagonist vibes. I explain what happened to a staff member. He starts walking towards me. When I finish telling the story, he's standing about five feet from me and starts saying, what I meant was that most cosplayers are overweight. And I cut him off and walked away because my friends were waiting for me. Like, dude, I know that was what you meant the first time. That's why I thought you were an asshole. And that his first reaction was to try and defend himself again and not profusely apologize for grabbing me when I was trying to get away from him. Anyway, later that night I followed up with con ops. They told me they talked to him and had put him on watch lists and said, I'm not saying this as an excuse, but he explained that he was autistic and didn't actually mean harm. I said that harm was still done and he made me feel incredibly unsafe. And the con ops person said she would work on getting him banned from the weekend, but not the convention as a whole. I only went to the convention on Friday since I had work Saturday and Sunday, so I'm not sure if anything happened after that. In 2017, I had heard news of people dressing up as clowns and running around with knives at night. I typically brushed those things off because I got my own problems. I, at the time I was 20, was often up all hours of the night dealing with my screaming newborn. It was January or February, so we still had some snow and I wasn't able to get out of the house often. Taking out the trash, which is located right outside the back door, was usually the most I got of fresh air. One morning, I took out the trash and happened to glance over to the right and noticed footprints directly under the window to my baby's room. I walked over there to inspect, and not only were there footprints, but there was also hand indentations on the window screen. Weird, but baby slept in my room, so not very concerned at the moment, but boyfriend was losing his marbles. Fast forward a couple of days, and I was up at around 3 a.m. and heard not exactly what I would call screaming, but more of a screeching howl. We had lots of stray cats, so I kind of thought that's what it was and ignored it. Once the sun was up, I looked out the window and noticed a few sets of footprints that really didn't make sense because it kind of looked like someone had just been passing in between the houses, but again... I blow it off because we had a drug house across the street and we have had people cross through our yard before to get to that house. Maybe four nights later, again at 3 a.m., I'm breastfeeding and hear a dragging noise against the house. And from where I was sitting on the couch, I could see the back door. The back door has a window with blinds on it and doesn't seal well due to wood rot on the frame. I paused the TV and listened, just to hear it again, now directly at the back door. Looking over, I can clearly see a looming figure, just standing in the window, holding one of those big kitchen knives, and granted the blinds were shut, so I'm seeing the creepy shadow version of this. He runs the knife across the window panes before softly knocking. 
Meanwhile, I'm trying to figure out what to do with a newborn latched on because my phone is in the bedroom, and something in me doesn't want whoever this is out of my sight. So, I stand up and readjust because I really don't want a screaming baby right then and walking into my kitchen and flick on the light and then said just loud enough for him to hear me. Hey man, I already called the police and I'm sure you don't want to deal with them, so why don't you go home? I don't know why I talked to him so calm and normal-like, but I don't think he was expecting anyone to say anything because he froze the moment I began talking. He talked it over with himself for a minute and darted down toward the alleyway. Never had anything like that happen again, but my boyfriend sure was mad I didn't wake him up to handle the situation, or at least actually call the police. Not sure if this counts as a creepy encounter, but I sure was creeped out once my sleep-deprived self realized what was happening. Many years ago, I would hang out with a co-worker of mine most Friday nights at a bar and play pool. I'm no good at pool, but sometimes after I have a few drinks in me, I start to play well. My co-worker was pretty good, so on the nights that I was hot, we would often clean up and be playing for a while. The usual way pool works in a bar is you come up and put a quarter on the table to claim next game. The winner stays on the table, and the new group pays for that game. The table took four quarters to release the balls for the next game. If you keep winning, you stay on the table and don't pay. This particular bar had a main floor and a basement level, and the pool table was in the basement. On this night, it was slow. We played a few games, one versus one, between us since nobody else was around. Eventually, these two other guys came down and wanted to play, and we proceeded to beat them in an uneventful game. One of the guys seemed to get agitated that they lost and wanted to play again. We told them to pay for it and we can play again, and this guy started arguing that he shouldn't have to pay and we should just split it. We explained how it usually works and he reluctantly agreed. My coworker and I then proceeded to kick their ass again. This made the guy extremely mad. He started screaming at us, insulting us, just losing it. The two of us were both in decent shape at the time, and so we didn't feel threatened, and there was no way we were going to give up the table to these guys and leave. In hindsight, we should have just left. Miraculously, we actually managed to calm this guy down. He seemed susceptible to reason maybe understood there was a protocol for playing. We cracked some self-deprecating jokes and eventually fell into a decent rapport with these two guys. They kept wanting to play and we kept beating them, but they kept paying and we were joking around and doing some playful trash talking, etc. Then the guy who was angry earlier started to get too comfortable. He would come over and stand way too close to me. He started touching me and putting his hands on my shoulders, and he kept on talking about my shirt and how he loved it. It was a boring plaid pattern green shirt, but he would not stop talking about it. At one point, he came up behind me while I was shooting and grabbed at the collar and pulled it away from me because he needed to know what size it was and wanted to see the tag. 
This was really starting to piss me off. So my coworker and I eventually said we were going upstairs to get some beers, and we just left. That Monday, I was back to work. I work in the TV industry, and at the time, I was working at a small local TV station. It was my first job out of college, and I was working my way up. And at the time, I was doing a weekly rotation with two other people, where we would cycle through different jobs in the control room. That week, I was the Chiron operator, which is the machine that does live on-air graphics, lower thirds, over-the-shoulder boxes, full-screen pictures, etc., I would come in, make the graphics, then during the news I would call them up and have everything ready when it needed to be. I missed the morning meeting that day for some reason, so I didn't know what any of the stories were about. One story was about crime, so I opened the folder that a producer left mugshots in to get it ready in the Chiron. To my shock, there he was, that creep from the bar staring back at me through the screen. I couldn't open up the show rundown fast enough to see what he did. Apparently, the next night at that same bar, he stabbed someone in the parking lot, allegedly over a fight regarding the pool table. The guy he stabbed lived, but whenever the story pops into my head, I always think about how my night would have ended if we didn't ride the fine line between making this guy too angry or letting him get too friendly. So this all starts when me and my two buddies, I was 19 and they were 20 and 17, went to go fish off this bank on the river in the afternoon. The layout is that you drive over the levee before you drop down into a boat ramp slash parking area right next to the river. We brought pizza, beer, weed, music, and of course our rods, hoping we'd just hang out and do some late night fishing. At this point, we're all set up on the bank with our chairs and speaker having a nice evening, and it's probably been two hours, and it's 9 p.m. now. All three of us were feeling pretty good with some beers in our system, and then we all of a sudden hear two cars with super loud music pull up, and everyone gets out. The cars must have had four to five people in each one, because I heard a lot of people talking, but it was all in Spanish, so I couldn't make anything out. We try to ignore it, but then it gets so loud that we couldn't enjoy ourselves, so we started packing our stuff to head back to the car and just chill out while we sober up. While we're gathering our things, we start to hear what sounds like an argument go down. We start to hear lots of glass shattering and people screaming at the top of their lungs. They couldn't see us, but they were basically no more than 20 feet behind our heads. At this point, we're just keeping quiet, and then you start to hear what sounded like someone getting punched repeatedly, and then a loud splash into the river by the boat ramp and someone saying, Nah, leave him. Leave him. Which was the only words spoken in English. At this point, we didn't know what we just heard happen, and we didn't want to stick around and find out. The three of us trekked back up the steep incline to get back to the car, but as soon as we came into their view, they all got back into their two cars and quickly sped back over the levee. 
except we spotted one of the cars just sitting on top of the levee, slowly creeping forward. When we turned our car on, the car then went fully over the levee. We realized we were the only car left in the parking lot, and it was now pitch black outside, around 9.30 p.m. We just sat there for no more than 30 seconds, just trying to process what we had just heard go down, and then we decided we needed to get out of there completely and park somewhere to sober up all the way. As we're going over the levee, the road goes over it, and then down and makes a sharp left. Right after we take that sharp left, our hearts drop when we see four cars lined up completely horizontal across the road, blocking us from getting through. There's orchids on our left and right, so there was no going around at all. At this point, my buddy just gassed it straight towards their bumpers to try and split in between the cars and get out of there even if it meant damaging the front end of his car. Just as we do that, one of the four cars slightly moved out of the way, creating a gap. We flew right through it and got the hell out of there, and they were laying on the horn while we passed through. We don't know what their intentions were, but clearly there were two cars in the boat ramp area where we were just at, and two cars on the other side of the levee blocking the road from anyone else coming in. I ended up filing a police report just in case they really did dump a body into the river. It happens all the time here. But I haven't heard back anything. Definitely one of the most terrifying experiences I've ever been through. I'm a 23-year-old female and live in a small rural town in the eastern United States. That being said, you end up seeing a lot of the same people if you frequent the same places. I often go to a particular gas station close to my house for snacks, gas, cigarettes, you name it. A few months ago, I was standing in line to pay and the man in front of me, probably in his 50s or 60s by the looks of him, started talking to me. I'm very aware of my surroundings at all times, and I don't often engage with strangers in public, especially old white men. I kept my answer short. He started by asking pretty innocent questions like what I was buying, but this quickly escalated into what I was doing that night, if I had a boyfriend, and if I lived close, etc. Thankfully, he was next in line, so the questioning stopped when he was called up to the counter and paid and left. I went on with my day, feeling just a little creeped out. Fast forward a few weeks later, I run into him at the gas station again. I have no idea how he remembered me. I look completely different as I was dressed in business casual for work this time, and I was dressed like a slob the first time. He started talking to me again, and again asking about if I had a boyfriend where I lived, where I worked, etc. I mostly ignored him until he got really upset that I wasn't really talking back to him, and then I got scared. So I started answering some of his questions with fake answers. When I went out to the parking lot after paying, he was sitting on the curb outside, presumably waiting for me. I felt really uncomfortable, but I had to get into my car and leave, as I was running late for work. I knew he saw what car I drove, 
my license plate, etc. And it really wouldn't be that hard to find me in my town, so I was super creeped out. At this point, I didn't contact the police or anything, as I assumed there was nothing they could do as I didn't have any hard proof of anything. I did tell my roommate and describe the guy to her in case she saw him or anything suspicious. A few weeks after the second encounter, I saw him again, this time at the grocery store. I didn't interact with him, and he seemed to not notice me for a while, until one time we almost ran right into each other going down the same aisle. I looked away and just kept walking, pretending I didn't notice him. That's when I started to see him in every aisle I walked down, in the checkout line, etc. It was like he was just following me. I walked out to my car after paying, and he was standing about 10 yards away from my car at another car, smoking a cigarette. I again ignored him, got into my car to leave, and noticed he got in his car as well. I purposefully started driving the opposite direction of my house, making random turns, and he followed me through every single one, speeding up and slowing down to stay with me. I had enough, so I, being the true crime enthusiast that I am, started driving directly to the police station. I guess he figured out where I was going, and he made a random turn and I lost him. I got to the police station and made a report, because now at least I had a description as well as the car he was driving. They told me since there wasn't any hard proof, they couldn't do anything, but they would keep my report and to call them or visit again if I had any more information. I haven't seen him in a few weeks now, and I stopped going to the same gas station near my house. I have a feeling that I was definitely getting targeted by this man, but no idea what his intentions were. I'm scared and I look over my shoulder everywhere I go now. I'm seriously thinking about buying a new car and or moving out of this town. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true creepy encounters. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.
Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.